You are Locked On Wolverines, your daily podcast on the Michigan Wolverines, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Wake up, Michigan fans. It's 22 days away from game day. I get the feeling that a lot of you are in a coma right now, and I know you are because I look at my numbers as far as the Wolverines wire. It's just not what it's it normally would be at any time of year, let alone football season. With that coming up, welcome to your Friday edition of the Lockdown Wolverines podcast. I'm your man on the ground, Isaiah Hole, publisher of Wolverines Wire through USA Today Sports Media Group. Should mention that we are part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. We are back in the grind. It is Friday. We are doing it. And I am just... I'm look. I I was on Reddit the other day. I think I mentioned this yesterday or the day before, with the Avery Thomas news. And there's just a a pile of people saying, "Listen, I just don't care with everything going on in the country about Michigan football right now." But they they care enough to 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 go into the Reddit, but they just aren't amped up. I understand you're not amped up. I'm I I completely get that because it doesn't feel like it normally does any given year, where. You're just, you know, you get three weeks away and you're at a fever pitch, right? Like, I understand that that feeling. Plus, I mean, with everything going on, COVID seems to be amping up again. I, I understand that there's probably a bit of skepticism about a season. I think the football teams are going to be fine. Yeah, they might miss a game or two. Michigan's been doing still really, really well. We'll see how that transpires when they play against other teams but again there's not going to be anyone that's tested positive on the uh, at all on the field photographers are extremely limited I've already been told that I will not be able to be a photographer this year which sucks but it is what it is I understand the circumstances and uh yeah I mean it's just there is a lot going on I understand that football is supposed to be our respite it should be our respite from the toils and tribulations of everything else. And we are 22 days away from Michigan kicking off. October 2nd today, October 24th is the start. So we are at the beginning of the month. We're going to have two Michigan football games this month. And it just doesn't seem like anyone cares. Now, obviously, I think that that's related to a couple different things. It's not just strictly COVID and it being an abnormal season, I think that if you were an Ohio State fan, you'd be way more amped up. Like inside baseball here, I know our Buckeyes Wire site was just killing it. Granted, they're down too right now. As uh, you know, they're everyone's in fall camp. Padded practices just started, but uh, I know that the Ohio State site is down right now. But they were. I mean, they've gotten page views better than we've gotten at Wolverine's Wire ever in the last month. So, I mean, that's a little disheartening, right? Because, I mean, y'all have been really good readers. This isn't me bitching about you you not reading as much as it is me having the pulse of things. So I'm I'm here trying to say, get up. It's going to be game day before you know it. And you know what? I talked to... I talked to my roommate about it, Matt Leach, and, uh, 
like he, you know, he, like he says, and I, I, I'm inclined to agree with him. It's like, it's, it's not real for the big 10 until it is. And I feel like seeing the sec play last week, it should feel more real, right? Like I am amped up for some of these games tomorrow. I am super amped up. I'm super fired up for Georgia Auburn. Uh, War Eagle is what I'm saying. I think, I, I mean, I, I want to see Georgia get knocked down a peg early. You know, that so that that's that's an enticing matchup. I can't really remember a lot of the other matchups offhand, but I mean, we we've already had some excitement in the last however long. You know, Mississippi State taking down LSU. Ole Miss made it fun against Florida for a little while before they didn't. I, I'm excited about Ole Miss, Kentucky tomorrow. Oklahoma losing its yearly game against a team it shouldn't lose to. Kansas State edition, second year in a row. You, you know, Texas struggling. Is Texas back? Is Texas not back? We'll see. We're a week away from uh, the Red River rivalry. I think that there's a lot of really fun things. And I think that Michigan fans should use this as an opportunity to tune in and get super excited because it's about to happen. Now I understand exactly what's at stake here too. Cause if Michigan goes out and lays an egg against Minnesota, then the season might as well not even happen in the eyes of many. But that's up to them. We'll get to the reasons momentarily as to why why I think Michigan fans are, are down. But then I'll give you the reasons why I think you shouldn't be. I think the expectations are the same this year as there are any other year. But I, I think it's one of those things where because it is a weird year, because you don't get any warm-ups, I don't think Michigan would have been penalized that much if it had gone to Washington and lost. I think people think very highly of Washington. It would have been really disappointing, but I mean, they could have had, you know, gone to Washington, gone to Seattle, lost that game, come home, beat Ball State and Arkansas State, then move forward with the conference schedule. I mean, it was going to be a difficult conference schedule regardless, but to, to go through with, you know, opening hosting Wisconsin and then you had Penn State, Michigan State and Minnesota. I think that was all in a row. I can't really remember the regular schedule very well anymore, but I think that was all in a row. Um I mean it was going to be a difficult a difficult task to kind of get through it all. But I thought it was kind of like the gauntlet was where it was like, you know, each next game is your reward and I think that that's probably the same thing here, right? You look at the schedule, you, you open up at Minnesota, you get past Minnesota, congratulations, you get to go and hopefully beat up on Michigan State at home. Beat up on Michigan State, everyone's really thinking, including myself, that Indiana's going to be really good. Then you get to, uh, you get, you get to see if you get to keep that streak going. You do well there, then it now it's your chance to see how you really stack up. You play Wisconsin. So on, so forth. We'll continue this conversation about the 
why Michigan fans should should wake up a little bit more. First, by addressing why I think people are not feeling it. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm onto something. I don't know. And then why I think that people should embrace this season and be excited about this season, uh, even now, three weeks away. Before we do that, however, I have to tell you about something that Built Bar has come up with that I am a huge fan of already. I've, I've had four of these so far, and I'm talking about Built Go. Built Go makes you the best you at whatever you do. Break through your wall. Whether it's a mental or physical wall, break through it with Go every day. They're easy to take in 1.5 ounce packages. They're essentially uh, one of those protein gel type things. And I've never had one before. Or it's like a nut butter more so is what the, what these are. I just had a chocolate coconut one, and I'm a huge, huge fan of it. I mean, granted, I like all three that, that they have so far, which is peanut butter honey, chocolate coconut, and chocolate mint. I did make the mistake of having chocolate mint right before bed last night, which means I fell asleep for about an hour, and then I woke up for like two. But... All three flavors are absolutely delicious. It's like drinking a monster drink with a third of the caffeine and better results. On top of that, you can put it in your brief your briefcase, your for your most focused presentation ever. You can put it in your golf bag, power through the back nine, put it in your pocket to get through the day. It's the best workout gel on the market. It's like a five-hour energy without the same crash feeling. Plus, it's natural, so it's better for the body. So how does it work so well? Built Go combines energy gel with the collagen protein. Collagen protein is a fast-absorbing protein, so it gets into the system fast, plus it's easy on the stomach. Bilko is loaded with good stuff to ignite my work and my workout, and I've been working out all week this week. This is why I'm going to end up running today is because of Bilko. Beta alanine, B3, honey, and a kick of caffeine. Low calorie, of course, as well. It's uh, 90 calories with 15 grams of protein, 100 milligrams of uh, caffeine. B6, B12, which is 10,000% of your daily. That's what kicks me going, kicks to keep me going strong, rather. Collagen promotes joint soft tissue, hair, and skin health, which I absolutely need the skin health. This stuff literally makes you look better. So I'm telling you, go to builtgo.com, use the promo code LOCKED, and you'll get 30% off of your next order. Use promo code LOCKED for 30% off at builtgo.com. Uh, builtgo.com let's go you think I'd learn how to read at some point it's fun because you know you, you want to talk about your own experiences and I'm telling you the built go is delicious I think it's just as if not maybe a little bit more delicious than the the protein bars just continuing that line of thought um, all right, so before we get to the reasons why I think you should be excited about this season, and it's outside of my, you know, reasons for optimism, I can just sit there and be like, you know, the co you know coordinator-coach combo and all that stuff again. I'm not going to do that. I do want to at least get into, you know, just kind of general generalities as to why, you know, people should be excited. But first, let's get into why I think people aren't. And I think that there's probably a level of Michigan fatigue, and there would have been regardless if the season ended up taking place as normal. I don't think that there would be that same 
thing that there has been uh, in in recent years where you're like, all right, this is the year. And I think part of it is, again, it's it, a lot of it was the expectations that came with Jim Harbaugh. Because, I mean, yeah, there was some excitement, you know, even in the, the really bad years. I think back to 2014, going into Brady Hoke's last season, Michigan opened hosting App State. And, I mean, no one thought that was a good idea, but it was happening. And I remember thinking, like, all right, here we go. Let's, it's going to happen. Because I think that there was a lot of confidence based off of how Michigan uh, lost to Ohio State. I don't think anyone paid attention to the Buffalo Wild Wings Bowl. I didn't even, I don't think I even made it through the whole game. If I did, it's back when I drank and I was crazy drunk. I was drunk before that game even started because, I mean, Michigan football in that era. But 2014, I went to every home game that year. And I remember getting back to Novi where I met up with a friend of mine, rode together, and hearing a snippet of Kirk Herbstreet on sports radio saying, you know, what Michigan showed against Appalachian State shows that they are contenders for the Big Ten and beyond. And then obviously didn't go that way. The Utah game, I remember going into that game and listening to 97-1 and Pacaputo being like, there's no reason why Michigan shouldn't beat Utah. And I felt, had a bad feeling going into that game. A real bad feeling. And it went about exactly as I anticipated. Then the Minnesota debacle, all that. I don't know why I'm rehashing 2014. That's not my point. My point is, that year even, you had reasons to feel good. Right? Like, you felt good going into 2013. Because it's like, all right, Devin Gardner's the starting quarterback. Going to get going. You start with, you know, you get Notre Dame. In week two, and you're like, all right, this team is a national championship-like team, and then it all kind of falls apart. Get to 2014, you're like, all right, Devin Gardner's healthy. We saw what he was able to put together. You got a new offensive coordinator and Doug Nussmeyer. Let's go. And then what happens? 2015, you're like, all right, we got Jim Harbaugh. We're about to be the best team in the Big Ten, if not the country. Let's go. 10 and 3 is beyond everyone's expectations. 2016, all right, national championship or bust. It ended up being a bust, although it was a lot closer, I think, than people are still willing to admit, losing three games by combined five total points. Uh, then you get to 2017. Like, all right. I think people were a little bit down going into that season, but it's like, all right, you, you know, could Brandon Peters contend? Let's see what Pep Hamilton, Hamilton can do. You beat Florida early on. Cool. 2018, hey, Shea Patterson's here. We're about to be the best team in the country again. Got a former five-star at the quarterback. That's what we need after what happened last year. And it felt really good until it didn't at the end of the year. 2019, all right, Josh Gaddis is here. Let's do it. Let's roll. Let's get it. What happens? You know, it doesn't uh, it doesn't turn out the way that, that you think. Shea Patterson's injury, again, more severe than what was let on. Some learning curve from you know from Josh Gaddis and the rest of the offense and getting accustomed to Josh Gaddis. The defense falls apart in games that it really shouldn't. So what is there to look forward to in 2020? I think that's the big thing, right? Because you just came off of a year, and it feels like 2017, right? Very similar. You lost to Ohio State, Penn State, Wisconsin. 
and the bowl game, just like last year. So it feels pretty bad. However, except for how you beat Michigan State, that's the big difference. However, you don't have that security blanket of here's what the changes are. But I'm here to tell you exactly why you should be excited. And I guess there will be a slight rehash because, I mean, number one's obvious to me. But we'll do that here in a moment. All right, number one is obvious to me as to why you should be optimistic. And it is it is a rehash, but it is... I think you should be more excited, though, and this is my this is kind of why it's different. You should be more excited about Josh Gaddis in year two compared to year one. Making the coaching change is always really exciting, right? But how did people feel, like I kind of alluded to before, going into Jim Harbaugh's first year compared to the second year? No one thought going into year one, hey, going to win the Big Ten right now. And they, they were close, 10-3 and three overall after 13 games. But uh, granted, it was 9-3 and three in, the, in the regular season. Two in conference, Ohio State and Michigan State. So, with that in mind, you should just be equally as excited as you were going into 2016, being like, all right, now all the Ducks are in a row going into 2020. The records are still going to count. It doesn't really matter that it's a different year, that it's a nine-game schedule. It's The records are still going to count. And with Josh Gaddis having that year under his belt, you've, everyone now knows very well what they're supposed to do in the offense. I think that it can take that big step forward. I know in 2016 it was like, well, look at all the seniors. Upperclassmanship usually equals success. I would argue that it's less upperclassmanship and more experience. They have upperclassmen, seven returning starters on defense, not nearly as many on offense, but every there's so much experience. The entire running backs room, not named Blake Corum and Lucas Andergetto, have tons of experience. The tight ends have experience. Three of the five offensive linemen have experience. Quarterback Joe Milton has a little bit of experience. He at least knows what it's like to see a live opponent come against him, including against Ohio State, having played the tail end of the 2018 game. Made some mistakes, made some good throws, a little bit of all of the above. Obviously, the excitement for Milton should be enough, in my opinion, because I think that he could be. Again, I need to caution. Doesn't mean he will be. There's a difference between could be and will be could be he has all the physical tools and supposedly the mental acuity to be one of the truly great quarterbacks in the country has to put it all together but you got to feel good when you hear that Don Brown said on Wednesday hey he's he comes to my office to learn more about reading defenses I have nothing to do with him as far as coaching and yet here he is Wanting to know more. This guy's a gamer, right? Let me tell you one thing about Joe Milton. Same person who had told me that the thought inside the the locker room, or not the locker room, but inside Chembeckler Hall 
that he could be a potential number one overall pick had told me that when Milton reported to campus, when they were sorting out fall camp and saying, all right, you're going to, you know, here's the room assignments. Naturally, the quarterbacks were matched up against or up with each other. And Milton had a dual idea going into 2018. Number one, I don't really want to room with my competition because that's my competition. I am fierce. I don't care if they're a teammate. I want to beat them every time. But at the same time, he wanted to be as close as possible to Shea Patterson to kind of be like, all right, I need to be able to know what the experience is like. I don't know what it ended up being, who we ended up rooming with, but I know that there was just this, he, his, he had an initial, you, you know what, I don't want to do it. And then when he was like, they were told, all right, you have to do it. And he's like, all right, well, here's how I want to go about it. Guy is always competing on the field, off the field, always in competition mode. For those who didn't like Shea Patterson golfing, there you go. We've seen, though, how we, those types of things can pay dividends. I don't think it's the be-all, end-all necessarily, but it can pay dividends when you have a guy that's just going to work all offseason. Think back to Denard Robinson heading into 20, uh, 2010. Yeah when he supplanted Tate Forcier. Tate Forcier wanted to loaf about. Denard Robinson wanted to get, you know, go out there and get to work. I think the same kind of thing can be said of Joe Milton. Next, the defense, as much as it's not as well thought of, and a lot of people will act like it's terrible because it hasn't been good against Ohio State the last two years. That's inescapable. It is still an elite unit, and it has been. The worst it has done in the Harbaugh era was last year, number 11 in total defense, number 25 in scoring defense. The worst they had done before that was uh, 16th in scoring defense and 4th in total defense. While there's a lot of question about the cornerback situation, whether, whether or not Daxton Hill is moving to play opposite Vincent Gray, which means you probably promote Sammy Flauston or, you know, one of the other safeties to that, uh, to that position. I think that you have a lot to work with. And I think it all starts up front. What was my biggest concern last year, the front seven is now the biggest strength of that defense. Because don't you feel pretty good about, Aiden Hutchinson, Quiddy Pay. I'm not that concerned even about the interior, especially just hearing everything about, I know Jeter has to show it. I don't have a problem with Jess Spate. I talked about that yesterday. You know, guys earn their spots at Michigan. If a walk former walk-on earns a spot, it means he earned it. It doesn't spell doom for someone else. Everyone else, everyone moves at different paces in football and in life. And Jess Spate, I was told by someone else last year when he was still an offensive lineman before the season, last year in winter, that Spate was, as a walk-on, better than a lot of the scholarship offensive linemen. He just had that it factor. And uh, Aiden Hutchinson was singing his praises today. Chris Hinton, 
I think you're you have to be really excited about, and I'm really excited that Don Brown mentioned Julius Welshoff, and obviously there's the other guys that are uh, coming up on D end as well. We've been waiting for my guy Luigi Villain, Taylor Upshaw. There's a lot to like about the front four, Carlo Kemp, and then the linebackers. I mean, you got to feel really good about the linebackers right now. Josh Ross and Cam McGrone together equals just more speed than you've had at linebacker in I don't know how long. Throw Michael Barrett in the mix, and you've got three guys that are really fast. Now they've got to be able to get to the ball, tackle, all that kind of stuff. But I feel better about that trio than I do any of the previous trios, and that includes some of the Devin Bush linebacking cores because I like those three guys together. Again, we have to see it, but I think that there is a lot to really enjoy about that trio. And I think you feel good at safety, especially if Dax is there, but regardless, Brad Hawkins and whoever lines up next to Brad Hawkins, I feel like you're in a good situation. I think the defense will rebound. I don't buy at all. ESPN's, you know, hey, they're going to be like, 33rd in two years. Come on. What's telling you that? Because they had a bad year by their own standards in 2019. Defensive recruiting still been phenomenal. And, you know, love him or hate him, Don Brown has produced. Mike Zordich has produced. So I think that that will all come together. And then you just have so many playmakers on offense so many more skill position guys. Don't you feel better when you think about it compared to 2016? Who are your skill position players? Jake Butt. Okay, I feel really good about him. Amaro Darbo and Jehu Chesson. Okay, I feel okay about those guys. They did they did really good in you know their junior and senior years, but at the same time, aren't you more hyped for the guys that Michigan already has at receiver? Running back, Davion Smith being your primary, Davion Smith and, you know, Ty Isaac. Chris Evans obviously came on, but don't you feel better about Zach Charbonnet, Hassan Haskins, Blake Corum, and Chris Evans? I mean, that's a night and day difference. It all has to come together, of course, and there's a lot of moving parts, but when I look at it from top to bottom on paper, I'm like, I'm fired up. I'm ready to go. This is going to be good. And you know what? If it doesn't really work out, guess what? Most of these guys are coming back next year. Maybe not all. You might lose Aiden. You might lose, I mean, you definitely lose Quiddy, Nick Eubanks. You lose a handful, but you definitely are going to return some of the running backs, most of the running backs. You're going to return all the receivers. You're going to return. The other tight ends, Eric All, Luke Shoemaker. You're going to return the quarterback probably and Joe Milton unless he has a huge, huge year. You feel a lot better about it. So just know you are essentially playing with house money. I don't think that that's how Michigan's going to treat it because we just pay attention to what Jim Harbaugh does, but who he is. But to me, that's exactly it. You're playing with house money this year. And you have all the parts to make it work. If you go out there and you're aggressive, Michigan can get the thing done. All right, that's going to do it for us today. We'll be back on Monday to uh, discuss what happened over the weekend. 
uh, because obviously we got some football and anything we might learn over the weekend as far as uh, Michigan football is concerned. So that'll do it for us today. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. Peace.